Uh, last week we finished our study in Second John, verse 9, where John said, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. What a wonderful promise that is, and what a stern and clear warning that is, dividing those who have God and those who do not have God. You have the doctrine of Christ? Hey, you have God. You don't? You don't. (laughs) It's that simple. So we learned that John was addressing a vital issue that was plaguing the church at his time and that continues to plague the church today and will continue to plague the church even more so in the latter days on this earth. And that's where people were professing to be Christians who were not abiding in the doctrine of Christ. They had the name of Christ, but they did not abide or believe or embrace, however you want to put it, the doctrine of Christ. Okay, And John warned us that whoever transgresses God's word and does not abide in, meaning they don't hold to the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they do not have God. Period. On the other hand, whoever does abide in the doctrine of Jesus Christ does indeed have both the Father and the Son. So the question of whether or not you have God all boils down to the question of whether or not you embrace the truth that God gives us about his son. It's really that simple. The doctrine of Christ is the doctrine that John has been sharing with us in his epistles so far. It is the doctrine that Jesus is life itself. And thus God's message to us about Jesus is the word of life given to us. First John 1, 1 through 3. And it is the doctrine that Christ is the very life of God. That he was manifested to the apostles in the flesh. And in that flesh he gave his life for sinners on the cross as a propitiation for their sins. First John 2. 2 and 2 John 1 7 and when Jesus died in the flesh as a propitiation for our sin he died not for our sins only but for the sins of the whole world and the blood he shed on that cross cleanses us not just from some sin not just from most sin not just from our past sins but from all sin 1 John 2 2 it's the doctrine that Jesus did not come from Adam But he did not work his way up from being a mere man. But he was the sinless son of God. And thus born of a virgin woman. 1 John 4, 15. This is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. It is the record that God gave us of his son. It is a fundamental elements. uh, These are the fundamental elements of the gospel message. And thus it is the truth that every one of us must know about him. Jesus is the life of God that he sent into the world. So if a person embraces the truth of Jesus Christ, they embrace everlasting life. And if a person does not embrace the truth of Jesus Christ, no matter how religious that person may be, 
No matter what type of religious garb he wears or she wears or however often they come into a church building, that person abides in death. And for that very reason, John said, if you'll look now with me in 2 John verse 10, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Now, let me make this clear. John is not telling us to not allow unsaved people into our houses. He's not telling us to not invite an unbelieving co-worker over to our house for supper or not to let unbelieving friends spend the night in our home who happen to be coming into town. John is talking about aiding and abetting the enemies of the cross of Christ. I want you to picture in your mind for a moment, pretend like there's a war happening right now in the United States or whatever country you happen to be living in, that there's a war that broke out in your country. And I want you to picture enemy soldiers running in defeat. They're being chased in defeat by your country's soldiers, and they come to your house and they ask for you to hide them out. So you take those enemies in. You give them food and shelter and safe harbor. And when the soldiers uh, come to your house and they say, have you seen the enemy soldiers? You say, no, I haven't seen them. Hadn't been around here. What would that be? That'd be treason, wouldn't it? That would be giving aid and comfort to the enemies who are attempting to overthrow your kingdom, your government. And that is what the apostle John is talking about in this passage concerning the kingdom of God and the enemies of the good news of God's son. We use hotels a lot more today than we used to. But when I grew up, it was very common when traveling preachers came through town or missionaries happened to be coming through town. It was very common for people in the church to open their homes up and let them stay. And when they came, people took them in. They fed those preachers. They gave them free lodging. Why? Because they supported what they were doing and they supported the message that those preachers were sharing out there with the world. At this church, we also have taken missionaries in. We've fed them. We filled their vehicles up with gas. We've given them a place to sleep. Why? Because we wanted to support them in their endeavor to reach the lost with the gospel of Christ. As a church, we have prayed for them. We've supported them financially. This is what God has called us to do as fellow Christians. But only if their doctrine is right. John said, if you have someone who comes to you, and that person does not bring the doctrine of Christ with them if they are preaching a false gospel. Don't let them into your houses. Don't give the enemies of, cross, of, of the cross a place to hide. Don't give them shelter. Don't aid and abet them. In fact, John said, look back in the text, he said, neither bid him Godspeed. We don't say the term Godspeed much today. Every now and then you'll hear someone say it. But uh, bidding someone Godspeed is an older saying that uh, basically means to bid them God's blessings on their journey. To tell them basically, may God prosper you in what you're doing, brother. You see? He said, don't do that. Now, why would any Christian want to wish God's blessings upon a preacher who's telling people lies? You see? I don't want to. <laughs> why would we want to give aid and comfort to the enemies of the gospel? 
Why would we want to help someone in their effort to destroy the doctrine of Jesus Christ? And I know, listen, it's a whole lot easier to pretend. Like everybody who names the name of Jesus is serving the same God. Going to the same heaven together. All just one big happy family. But the truth is, whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. That's not being harsh. It's being realistic. It's being honest. After I preached a funeral last week, a Church of Christ preacher wrote me. He said, I read your booklet, read your gospel presentation, and you left something out. Left out the need for people to be baptized, to be saved. And he sent me some some article or something. I don't know who wrote it. He sent me some article that's supposed to prove that you have to be baptized in water to be saved. And since that time, I didn't write him back. I've been so busy, and I just don't have time to mess with people like that. Uh, and, and maybe I'll write him back if I get caught up. But since that time, he has now written me back two more times. He wrote me two times yesterday within one hour of each other. <clears throat> Trying to let me know. He's praying for me and I need to, I need to hang on to the word of God and re- reject the doctrines of man. And what he's really saying is this. He's really saying the atonement of Christ is not sufficient enough for us to be saved. He's saying we must also be washed in water to have our sins removed. That's really what he's saying. Anytime you add to what Jesus has done, you subtract to what he's done. You see? <laughs> you subtract from what he's done. That, that, that's not the doctrine of Christ. And if this church of Christ preacher were to set out on some crusade to spread his message of, of Christ plus water baptism for salvation, I would not support him on his journey. I would not bid him Godspeed. I wouldn't say, God bless you. Hope you do well out there, brother. I wouldn't do that. Why? Look in verse 11. For, John said, he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his, underscore in your text, evil deeds. Evil deeds. If someone told me I'm going to go tell people they cannot be saved by faith in Christ alone, I'm going to say you have to also be baptized in water afterward. I wouldn't tell them, well, God bless you, brother. I hope many believe your message. If I did so, John said I would be partaking of his evil deeds. Now, I want you to notice something here. Don't let this slip by you. John is not talking about beating somebody. John is not talking about stealing from somebody. John is not talking about committing the sin of blasphemy. John is not talking about being some crooked, low-down swindler. John is talking about being a minister of God, but not abiding in the doctrine of Christ. So notice that John is calling the spreading of false doctrine evil deeds. That's some bad stuff. Some people think we shouldn't be so serious about doctrine. You better be serious about doctrine. We're saved by faith. 
And faith has to believe something. And that something that we believe is what the Bible calls doctrine. John did not say he'll be partaker of his misguided deeds. John did not say, well, he'll be, don't bid him Godspeed. You'll be partaker of his well-intended deeds or, or, or his almost true deeds or sort of true deeds. He said, you'll be partaker of his evil deeds. Listen, I don't want to squabble with Christians over minor doctrinal disagreements. I don't care. If you believe that Jesus is coming back before the man of sin is revealed or after the man of sin is revealed, I don't care. Why? It's not going to change when Jesus is coming back. And it's not going to change whether or not you go up when he comes back. I don't care. I don't care if you're KJV only or not. I don't care. I don't care. And boy, I tell you what. That KJV only, that may get somebody upset. This one will really get people upset. I don't care if you think a preacher has to wear a tie when he preaches or not. Boy, I, I saw there was this independent Baptist preacher got on Facebook last week. Boy, he was getting up there ripping these preachers up who didn't wear ties when they preached. I think there were 60-something, 70-something comments. All these people arguing with each other. All these preachers arguing back and forth over whether or not a piece of cloth hangs from a man's neck. And it's nowhere in the Bible. I don't care if you have a towel when you preach or you don't preach. I don't care. But you know what? When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you better preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You better preach it as the record that God gave in his word and as the apostles declared it. You better preach that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in a Savior who was once crucified, buried, risen again for our sins alone. That alone you better preach that He was the virgin-born Son of God who, who came and gave His life as a propitiation for our sins. And if you don't, then I in this church will not help you in your endeavor, nor will I encourage you along the way. John is breaking down our support for these false teachers into two categories. Involved support and invoked support. That's basically how he's breaking it down. Involved support is when I involve myself in some way to help a person who's spreading false doctrine. I'll tell you this, man, if, if you, you give money to a church and they're not teaching true doctrine, you're, 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 you're helping further it along. If I give someone a place to sleep, if I donate to their ministry, if I pass out flyers to their revivals, man, I've got people all the time want me to hand stuff out or announce stuff in this church. You know where, you know where it goes? Right over there. If I don't know something about it personally, I'm not going to endorse it. If I do, I'll be glad to. Or if whatever we do to involve ourselves in to help them accomplish their goal, that is involved 
support. And we should not have it if these people do not take with them the doctrine of Christ. Then there's invoked support. And that's when I give them moral support, such as bidding them Godspeed. I'm giving them moral support. God bless you. Wish you success in your ministry. Or I, I share their post on Facebook or whatever. And then by doing so, I'm encouraging them and I'm lending credibility to their ministry. John's word should cause us all to reevaluate our involvement and our approval of any ministry at all. Careful before you share something. This passage of Scripture should also cause us to carefully consider the doctrine of any person before we choose to support that person, to praise that person's ministry in the eyes of other people. That's, that's one of the things I really love about how God has opened doors for us to provide gospel literature to other pastors and, 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 and books and stuff around the world. It's amazing to me. But here's what I like about it. By providing them gospel literature to people who are already in those countries. Already speak the languages. Already ready to go out and, and they believe and they're ready to go out and share the gospel and build churches and, and take the good news around the world. By us providing that gospel literature, we don't have to know if the minister is right because we already know that the message is right. It's a safe, wonderful thing to do. So if he's handing out our message, then we know that he is handing out the doctrine of Christ. And in 3 John verse 5, if you'll look with me now, in 3 John verse 5, John said Gaius was doing a great job of supporting ministers who were preaching the true doctrine of Christ. He told Gaius, if you'll look now in 3 John 5, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. Gaius was a man who faithfully helped the local believers in his church. He also was a man who faithfully helped Christians who came from afar, whom he didn't know, but were traveling through the, throughout the country, carrying out the great work of God and his great commission. And a local church should be like that. Gaius made the local church a rest area, a pit stop, at least his house, a pit stop for other believers where they could come, they could stop in, they could get refreshment and encouragement and, and, and then receive help to further them on their journey. Gaius offered support to the brethren both local and abroad. Which, verse 6, if you'll look now, which, John told Gaius, have borne witness of thy charity before the church. In other words, word had gotten back to John's church about the good reception they had received from Gaius whenever they came through his town. And John is saying, we don't want to help people who are spreading false doctrine, but we do want to help people who are spreading the truth. We want to help people. And we've heard that you, Gaius, have been helping the brethren, both local and those who are, are strangers coming into town, but who, who believe on Christ. If the word's gotten back to our church, they've told us how you've helped them on their journey. Look back in the text. Whom, if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. 
if you help them in what direction? Forward. Forward on their journey. In other words, if you help them move forward and help them progress in their work of Christ, John said, you'll do well by helping them. That's a wonderful ministry, he said. Brother Barker has been trying to get 30,000 Bibles to the people of the Philippines. I tell you what, if anyone's worthy of them, it's those people. I, I, I saw a video he shared with me the other day. If I can find it, I'll, I'll share it on the message group of uh, some of them uh, with the uh, riding this horse, this poor old horse. Looked like something on uh, the Little Rascals. You know how they'd have those horses or Pippi Longstock and look like some old worn out horse. There's this guy on a horse and he had Bibles on that horse. He's going from little shack to shack. I mean, just broken down little shacks. I'm sure they leak really bad when it rains. He's going out and handing Bibles to these people on that horse. And he wants to send 30,000 Bibles to these people so they can get the Word of God into people's hands. And, and when he was here, I watched one or two people when he was here after he told what he did go up to him and send, hand him a check or hand him some cash and say, here, put this toward sending some Bibles. You know what happened when those people did that? They brought him forward on his journey. If he wants 30000 and you pay enough to, 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 to buy 50, now he's got less than 30000 50 less or whatever. You're bringing him forward on his journey to help reach the goal. And John said we should do this. How? After a godly sort. In other words, do it in a manner that's worthy of God. We should help believers in a way that brings honor to the name of Christ and, and brings glory to God. We should, we should treat the, the, the missionaries and the, and the pastors and the people who are spreading the gospel, we should treat them in a way that God would want us to treat them. We should treat them as if we were, would be treating Christ. That's what John's saying. If you're going to help someone... Do it after a godly sort. Don't put them in the Roach Motel. <laughs> Don't buy them an airplane either. I mean, we're not talking about getting people rich. But do it after a godly sort. Help them with genuine love and concern for their ministry. Treat them as the ambassadors they are for Christ. Give them honor, for they are the feet and the spokespersons of Jesus. Pay them well, for the workman is worthy of his hire. Do this after a godly sort, John said, and you will do well. And these true witnesses for Christ were worthy of this godly sort of help, John said, verse 7, because that for his name's sake, for the name of Jesus, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. And boy, I like that. Gentiles means nations. They were going out to these different nations. They were going out to, uh, to the different parts of the world. And they were taking nothing from the people they preached the gospel to. These missionaries were sent to other nations to tell them about the good news of Christ. And they did so at no charge to those people. Lest by taking money from those people. It causes them to think that maybe they weren't sincerely preaching the gospel. Maybe they're only out to get the money. Maybe they're just coming out spreading false news, trying to con, trying to scam the people. I'll tell you something. When someone is willing to offer the gospel at their own expense, it shows you a lot about that person's character. 
But when someone is always hitting you up for money, and I'm not talking about trying to support getting things out and all. I'm talking about always trying to hit you up for money, just like they do on television. Man, it puts a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it? People who are willing to sacrifice so others can hear the truth and be saved, they are the genuine servants of God. And John said in verse 8, we therefore ought to receive such. We ought to receive those type of people who are, who are, are willing to go at their own expense if they have to. Or who, 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 who refuse to receive money from the people they're sharing the gospel with. Lest they think they're being charged for it. He said we ought to receive those people. That means we ought to help them further on their journey after a godly sort. Why? That we might be fellow helpers to the truth. When you help someone forward on their journey, you're putting the same yoke that God's put on their neck, that same gospel yoke, and you're slipping your neck right in there with it. I was pulling out of Brookshire's parking lot one day, and I saw a couple of young men trying to push a pickup up a hill that broke down. And uh, they weren't getting very far <laughs> because it, well, they had a pretty good pretty good slope so I pulled off and parked my pickup and I got behind him and I started pushing with him that's what you're doing when you're helping a minister of the gospel get further down the road in the great commission you're getting out and you're pushing with them you become a fellow helper to the truth to getting the truth out there to the world, to the people who need it. When we give aid and support to the ministers of gospel, we are fellow helpers of the truth. We become partners with them in the ministry. They can't reach the lost world without us. We can't reach it without them. I think I've ridden a horse twice. The first time I rode one, some dog got behind my... Out of all the horses and all the people that were really good with horses, me, the first horse i ever been on in my life, some dog comes out, and out of all the horses, he picks mine to go bite that horse's heels. I just don't have good experience with them. <laughs> I, I, I don't live in the Philippines. I don't know the area. I, I, I can't do that. But you know what? I can't get the Bibles, and I can't get the Muslim tracts, and and the gospel booklets, I can't get those in the hands of the people over there without them. But you know what's just as true? They can't get them into their hands without us. It's a beautiful combination of the body of Christ, us working collaboratively together to carry out that great commission, being fellow helpers to the truth. I got my mother a little name tag. She uh, uh coordinates these bus tours from time to time and they just got back from one to go see Noah's Ark in Kentucky and uh, I put I had the name tag Francis Fulton uh, Diamond Tours Northeast Texas representative had it in gold name tag so she could wear it while she was doing her thing but you know what it's even greater than that Richard Fulton fellow helper to the truth what a title What a privilege for the children of God to be able to help them on the way. As fellow helpers, we can reach the world together in the grace and power of God. That sometimes the problem is reversed. 
Sometimes the person with the bad doctrine is not the person traveling into town. Sometimes the person with the bad doctrine is the preacher behind the pulpit that's already in town. John said, look in verse 9, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence, that means he likes to stand out and be the big dog in the church, among them receiveth us not. He says we ought to receive people who have the doctrine of Christ and are willing to share it with everybody. But we wrote to Diotrephes, to the church. And Diotrephes will not receive us. Even though we do have the doctrine of Christ. He wouldn't accept their epistle. Verse 10. Wherefore John said. If I come. I will remember his deeds which he doeth. And it was, I'm going to bring that up. I'm going to address that. He says. Prating against us with malicious words. Diotrephes. He did the opposite of what he was supposed to do. He did not help John further the gospel ministry. In fact, Diotrephes stood in the way of the gospel ministry. He prated against John and his companions. That word prated means that he berated them. He talked down about their ministry using malicious words to destroy their credibility with the church. John said, look in your, back in your text, and not content therewith. In other words, not just being content by berating us. And not receiving our, 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 uh, our epistle. He said, neither doth he himself receive the brethren. And forbiddeth them that would. He's not only happy by not receiving the brethren himself. He's not only happy with berating the gospel preachers in the church. He said, but he forbids anyone in the church who does want to receive them. He won't allow them to do it. He was using his position as a pastoral leader to put pressure on congregants. To, to, to again, uh, uh, turn their minds against these true gospel preachers. And to say, don't you let these people come in. People come in from out of, don't let them into their houses. He's isolating them from truth and trying to, like a Jim Jones style, uh, like a David Koresh style, say, well, you know, we're going to have our little group right here and we're the only ones that have the truth here. And don't listen to any of these other people out here. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. They're bad for you. Just follow me. Was diatrophies. He wanted that power and that influence in the church. He wanted to be the man that people followed. Man, I don't want anyone to follow me in that sense. I just want to be a finger pointing to Jesus Christ. So, how did what did he do when someone said the apostle John is coming, or or this? Brother or sister over here, this couple is coming. They are going out sharing the gospel here. We're going to welcome this man or this family into our home. We're going to help them further on their journey. What did he do when he found out someone in the church did that? Look back in your text. And casteth them out of the church. He'd kick them out of the church. 
If they helped other Christians on their journey who were spreading the gospel message, you're out of here. You know, that is no different. You know, the first thing I thought of when I read this passage, I thought of when they were kicking people out of the synagogues who were following Christ. It's no different than when those Jews cast out the people from the synagogue who received Jesus Christ. And you know what? It shows whose side this pastor was on. If he didn't receive the people of Christ, then he did not receive the person of Christ. What he did was evil. John said, verse 11, be loved. Follow not that which is evil. Remember what John said about not abiding in the doctrine of Christ? About people who spread false doctrine? He said it was evil deeds. And now John is saying, not only is it an evil deed to spread false doctrine, but it's also an evil deed to impede true doctrine. Whether I'm spreading the false news or I'm preventing the good news, both of those are evil deeds. So, so John said, beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. If a man's doing evil, if he's not preaching the truth, don't follow that man. Don't follow that man. Don't allow ungodly leaders either to intimidate you and prevent you from furthering the gospel of Christ. If your pastor isn't preaching the doctrine of Christ, don't follow him. I don't care if you're good friends. I don't care if he's a nice fella. I don't care if you love every people in the church. If they're not Preaching the doctrine of Christ. Don't follow them. Don't send ties to the church. Don't further their message. If it is not the message of Jesus Christ. If it is, get behind them and push. If it's not, get out. For, look back in your text. He that doeth good is of God. That is, whoever has the doctrine of Christ is of God. But he that doeth evil, whoever doesn't abide in the doctrine of Christ, hath not seen God. Now, that's putting a good, reflective, yellow stripe down the middle of the highway, isn't it? <laughs> I, mean, that's, I like this. That's plain spoken. The person doesn't have the doctrine of Christ. They don't have the Father or the Son. They've not seen God. Neither with the eyes of their flesh, even though they may have pretended to see God and professed to have had some vision or something like that. Nor have they seen God with the eyes of their faith because they're not believing what God said about Jesus. Make no mistake, brethren. What a man believes will tell you what a man has. And what he doesn't believe will tell you what he doesn't have. Let the gospel, not a man's seminary degree, not a man's position in the church, not a man's ordination certificate, not a man's following, but let the gospel, let the doctrine of Christ alone confirm or condemn every minister in every place where Christ is named. And all the people say, Amen. Woo, man, I love the Bible. <laughs> Oh, I love the Bible. I love clarity when it comes to truth. I thank God he doesn't, he doesn't mess around when it comes to telling us how things are.